Welcome to the America's Workforce Radio Podcast, the flagship production of the American Workers Radio and Podcast Network, where organized labor and its never-ending fight to protect the rights of the American worker come first. Now, presented by LIUNA, Laborers International Union of North America, here's your host, Ed Flash Ferrens. One year after chips and science and factories are making a comeback, but threats remain with China. Today on the show, the latest from the Ohio AFL-CIO, CWA Local 2001, and the UAW's new contract at Kohler in Wisconsin. Welcome to the Thursday, August 10th edition of America's Workforce, where we are available on at least five platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify and Pandora. We have actually three guests on the show today. Big news this week was issue one going down in flames. That was the issue, the only issue on the Ohio ballot on Tuesday, two days ago, that would have changed the Constitution so it would be tougher to change the Constitution. That's it in a nutshell. It would uh, actually end majority rule. If something in the legislature was passed, you as a citizen will have a very difficult time to overturn it if issue one had passed. So Tim Berga, who worked feverishly on that campaign, will be talking about what happened at the polls on Tuesday and what may happen again. Now, some in the Senate Republican leadership saying, you know what? Okay, we lost. We'll try it again. Okay. And then Matt Huffman, Senate leader, said, well, we didn't have enough time. (laughs) Crazy thing. They're the ones that put this on the August ballot. And they said, we don't want any more August ballots because nobody shows up. Well, this time, the people of Ohio showed up. So Tim will be our first guest. Then we're going to go to a J.D. Thompson. J.D. Thompson is a 36-year telecom veteran. He worked at AT&T, Verizon, and Frontier, was a long-distance operator in Charleston, West Virginia, going back to 1987, worked as a communications tech in Pittsburgh in 97, operations manager in Virginia, 2005, 2007. He's been a union member, CWA union member, for 30 plus years and we're going to talk about what's going on between his local that's 2001 he serves as executive vp and uh, what's going on between the cwa and frontier communications now there was a deadline this past uh, saturday that's been extended to august 19th and the issue right now benefits benefits is right at the top of the uh, pile Like most companies are facing job security. That's what uh, J.D. says. The concern for the union with job security is hiring subcontractors for work. The union is very bothered with the hiring of subs to handle the anticipated multi-billion dollar installation of broadband Internet service in West Virginia. Now, we've been talking about this with Frank Matthews of the communication workers in District 4. You know, we got $65 billion coming out of the Infrastructure and Jobs Act, and we want to make sure that that money goes to reputable companies who are going to use skilled workers, union workers. J.D.'s quoted as saying, we feel we're just in the best position to install and maintain that network. A big part of that 
is the maintenance because some of these subcontractors will come in, want to do the build, but then walk away from it on the maintenance side. He's got a good point there. Union leaders say they want their members to have those broadband jobs, claiming they are best trained to properly install the fiber network. The other issue, too, is closing down uh, call centers. Frontier has uh, closed a couple of call centers and moved those jobs overseas. So J.D. Thompson will be our second guest. And then we're going to go to the state of Wisconsin and link up with Tim Taylor. Tim is the president of UAW Local 833. UAW Local 833.org, and he's going to talk about the new contract with the Kohler Company. Very, very profitable company. Tim uh, started there in 1986, worked in the foundry, then moved to the uh, pouring iron division, where he became a divisional steward. Then he moved over to the engine division. In 2014, he was elected as president of UAW Local 833, ran unopposed in 2017, 2020, and this year. Tim's been active in the union and their committees, holding many positions over the past 31 years. Local 833 Guide, Executive Board, Education Chair, Union Label Chair, Worker to Worker Program, Scholarship Committee. <laughs> guys, guys done it all. He'll talk about the, uh, the Kohler Company and what they reached with them on a new five-year labor contract. It uh, covers associates employed in production and skilled trades at the company's two manufacturing facilities in Wisconsin. The um, union members ratified the new agreement in a vote conducted on Sunday, July 23rd, and it was effective at the end of last month. And again, this is a five-year deal. It'll run through the end of July of 2028. According to a release from the Kohler Company, the new contract provides increased wages and enhanced benefits, including high-quality wellness offerings, health care, pension, and 401ks. That's what we want, right? So uh, Tim Taylor, on behalf of the UAW, this would be Local 833, UAW national sponsors here on America's Workforce. And while we're talking about the auto workers, the uh, Washington Post published an opinion article this week by Greg Sargent that highlights a crucial labor dispute in the state of Ohio involving the UAW and the Ultium sales plant which makes electric vehicle battery cells. Greg is urging President Biden to take the opportunity to address labor concerns and demonstrate his commitment to both green initiatives and worker rights. Now, the UAW is demanding equitable wages and working standards for Ultium plant workers, echoing broader contract talks between the UAW and the major automakers by champion improved working conditions and wages for the plant workers there, Biden would have a chance to showcase how the green transition can create good manufacturing jobs, echoing the historic role labor unions played in building the American middle class. Now, that's a good reporter. That's a good reporter. Greg has been with the Washington Post for a long time, and he sees a problem there. And that's exactly what the UAW has been focusing on because electric vehicles, well, they don't have as many moving parts as uh, gasoline-driven vehicles. And that's a big concern. In fact, the new chief, the new president 
of the UAW, Sean Fain, recently laid out the union's bargaining goals for new contracts with the big three. And keep in mind, those contract talks are right around the corner. Strike deadline is September 14th. In a Facebook video talk with UAW members, Fain said profits at GM are soaring. Profits at Stellantis are record-breaking. And profits at Ford are surging. A chart that Fain posted and discussed showed GM with a second-quarter profit of $3.2 billion. Stellantis, first-half profit, $12.1 billion. Ford's profits tripled in the second quarter to $1.9 billion. So, he said the firms predict combined profits this year of $25 billion. And this comes on top of the $250 billion in profits the big three have made over the last 10 years. UAW members toiling at those car makers' plants deserve a much larger share of those dollars, said Sean Fain. So uh, that's the uh, that's the layout for the UAW, and we're talking a little over a month away from that strike deadline. All right, now a brief look into the world of labor. This segment brought to you by the good folks at Boyd Watterson Asset Management. You can find more at boydwatterson.com. President Biden yesterday discussed how his economic agenda is galvanizing a clean energy and manufacturing boom. This happened in a speech at Arcosa Wind Towers in Belen, New Mexico. The speech marks the one-year anniversary of his signing of the Inflation Reduction Act and the Chips and Science Act into law. This has prompted a comment from Scott Paul. Scott is head of the Alliance for American Manufacturing, and he's been a frequent commentator here on America's Workforce. In fact, we'll be hearing from him next month on the show. This is what uh, Scott said. The manufacturing boom is real. While few thought the American factory could make a comeback after decades of offshoring, well, guess what? We're in a new era. Thanks to public investments and some corporate rethinking in the wake of pandemic-induced shortages and disruptions, as well as missteps by the Chinese Communist Party, American manufacturing is well-situated for sustainable growth. Threats to factory jobs remain, however, says Scott. Chinese subsidies, unfair trade practices have not abated. The Fed's interest rate hikes have brought a temporary halt to new manufacturing jobs, and some in Congress want to roll back the public investments. As we move ahead with CHIPS Act and clean energy manufacturing implementation, Congress and the administration must commit to ensuring that made in America at every level of the supply chain is the overarching goal. The CHIPS Act and Inflation Reduction Act must be the first step, not the last word. Now, Listen to this. Since President Biden signed the CHIPS Act into law, companies have announced more than $166 billion, billion dollars in semiconductor and electronics manufacturing. America has seen $103 billion invested in clean energy manufacturing since Biden took office. Nonetheless, now here's the crazy part. We've talked about this on the show. An overwhelming majority of American workers, we're talking 70%, 70% want the federal government to do even more to bring manufacturing back to the United States. 
This is according to a poll conducted by Morning Consult for the Alliance for American Manufacturing. 64% of those respondents said that they have not seen, heard, or read about new factories coming to their communities. And I just talked to you about all the investments, the billions of dollars. They're not seeing it. The polling showed that voters across the political spectrum overwhelmingly support a wide range of trade, procurement, and industrial policies to boost factory jobs. But they're not getting the message, unless they're listening to shows like this one. And I've heard that so many times, so many times. I urge you to go to AmericanManufacturing.org, AmericanManufacturing.org. You will see the poll that I'm talking about. It's amazing, the disconnect of the policies, the good policies that are coming out of Washington and the fact that people do not know about them. Mainstream media, wake up, wake up. All right, we have to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to link up with Tim Berger, talk about the defeat of issue one. Back in a few minutes. You're listening to America's Workforce with Ed Flash Ferens. It takes Lyuna to build North America's infrastructure. From roads and bridges to schools and skyscrapers, the men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, build the projects we depend on. From constructing the Freedom Tower on the site of the former World Trade Center to untangling Washington, D.C.'s congested interstate, Lyuna members do the work that matters. Find out what it takes to be built by Lyuna at Lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. We're the nurses, firefighters, and claims representatives that help keep our government services running. We respond to natural disasters. We care for our nation's veterans. And we investigate discrimination in the workplace. We are federal and D.C. government workers. And we are proud to serve the American people. Working in more than 70 agencies across the government, we know we can fulfill our mission because our union has our back. Learn more at AFGE.org. Paid for by the American Federation of Government Employees, AFL-CIO. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers. You can find more at IFPTE.org. America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at BoydWaterson.com. America's Workforce is presented by the Labor's International Union of North America. Feel the power right now at Lyuna.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it now. That would be AWF Union Podcast, AWF Union Podcast. And if you like a show, share the show. I'll tell you, more and more people are listening to America's Workforce. We appreciate that. Just go to awfpodcast.com. You see a show, listen to a show, share that show with your brother, your sister, your uh, union president, whatever the case may be. We appreciate the growth of America's workforce, and you, as a listener, are responsible for that. Let's go to Columbus, Ohio right now. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the Ohio Federation of Teachers. You can find more at oh.aft.org. And the Ohio Federation, along with the State Labor Federation, all happy this week. Catching up on sleep from a Tuesday night. We had issue one. We pounded that issue here on America's workforce, which would uh, change the Constitution, like I said before, so it would be more difficult to 
change the Constitution, <laughs> raise the threshold from 50% plus one to 60%. Tim Berga, thanks for joining us today. I know it was a long night for you. I, I wanted to invite you to the show today to, uh, to kind of savor the moment, campaign finish, campaign well done. I'm going to let you pick it up from there, brother. Go ahead. Well, thanks for having me, and thanks for covering this issue one so thoroughly from start to finish, going back nine months into the legislative session. So uh, think about, you know, they tried to shoehorn in an August special election when nobody was paying attention. And in April, in the legislative committee, I testified that this thing is going to backfire on them, and we're going to make sure people are aware of it. So think about 1.8 million, almost 1.8 million Ohioans came out in an August election and voted no on issue one. And the reason that we had a united labor front on this thing is because we take democracy and our rights very seriously. And for us, this was about protecting and preserving our constitutional right to citizen initiative, which we've had flashed for 111 years. And our democracy, quite frankly, in the principle of one person, one vote. So um, as the plain dealer put it, I think correctly, organized labor and our united labor program on this to defeat issue one was the backbone of the campaign. And and we're just thrilled that uh, Ohioans saw this for what it was and defeated it um, uh, resoundingly. Yeah, they put this on the August ballot, and of course they said no more August ballots, and they figured, well, nobody's going to show up. And I think in normal elections and past elections in the summer, you got maybe 8 10% of the electorate that showed up. Wasn't this one well over 30%, something like that? Do you know anything? You got any details yeah, it was on high that 30s. <laughs> it was high 30s. And yeah, let me just recap on, on what you said there, because for the entirety of this year, going back into no, last November into the lame duck legislative session, the politicians supporting this policy in issue one, they ignored the will of the people throughout the legislative process. You remember what that scene was like down at the state house. Right. Then they flip flopped on the ruling not to hold August special elections, costing taxpayers almost twenty million dollars. Board of Elections had to scramble to put this election on, and, and counties like Cuyahoga have a, have a September primary. So now, you know, it really stressed them out. So they flip-flopped on their prior ruling not to hold August special elections. And then they just spread misinformation and lies about what this issue was from start to finish. And in the end, Ohio voters wouldn't be fooled by this. And it was a dishonest attempt to silence our voice and emphatically Ohioans across the state said no, and we're glad that happened, and we're glad we played a part in it. Now, I was reading that the uh, Senate president, that would be Matt Huffman, he said, uh, you'll probably see the question coming back. And uh, <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, he conceded, okay, we got we got our butts kicked on this one, but it, but he's not giving up. How, how do you read into that? Do you think they're going to try to do this again or what? Well... Uh, as I testified and as I've said for the last nine months, Ohioans will never relinquish their right to citizen initiative. So they can try again to, you know, um, thwart the will of the people. You know, on election night, Flash, I said that I'm calling on lawmakers to listen to the voters. Stop advancing these issues that only serve to divide us and get to the business of advancing policies 
that help all Ohioans fulfill their potential and improve their quality of life. That's what they ought to be doing. Now, Mm -hmm. because we've got these rigged legislative districts and we need to fix that through a redistricting initiative, um, maybe we'll have another shot at that. Uh, They're just so emboldened and they just you're trying to do things uh, that that go against the will of the people. And it's not beyond them to to lie, cheat and steal to try to get it done. Well, thank goodness that organized labor stood in the way. And thank goodness Ohio voters rejected it. Now, Tim, I'm going to take this one step further. I, as a taxpayer, a longstanding taxpayer in the state of Ohio, I'm really upset because these lawmakers who said no more August elections, in my opinion, this is Ed Flash Farron speaking, they broke the law. And there's 88 of them altogether. The House has uh, 99 seats, 62 voted for issue one back in May. The Senate has 33 seats and 26 voted for issue one. So that's a total of 88 lawmakers that voted to put this on the August 8th ballot, which it shouldn't have happened. And we have to pay for it. And we're, we're talking $20 million. So I figured it out. Each lawmaker owes the state of Ohio $227,272.72. And, you know, aren't these supposed to be fiscal conservatives with our tax dollars, don't you think? Well, it, it, the whole thing, you know, smelled bad from start to finish. I don't believe that uh, this election was actually uh, should have been allowed to go forward because of the reasons that you had mentioned. And they didn't get the authorizing legislation done to do it. So I wouldn't look for the check in the mail flash, but um, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll help you make the point down in Columbus. Okay, I appreciate that. So uh, moving forward here, I I know you learned a lot, and it's great. I mean, we're talking coalition building here, labor unions, uh, former politicians on the right, on the left. I mean, it was a great campaign. Um, Just It it just reminds me, and it probably reminds you, because I know you started as president when SB5 happened. Don't you see some similarities of what happened back in in, uh, 2011 when they tried to— take away yeah. our collective bargaining rights yeah the coalition building was uh was similar uh we had um small business uh, owners we had uh as you had indicated democrats republicans independents uh even libertarians that were uh, on on the no side of taking away our rights um we had over 270 you know good government nonprofit labor organizations that came together to defeat this and so there were similarities as I was traveling the state, going to rallies and events and and getting word out um, all sorts of ways. Um, we could feel that similar sort of energy. So, um, you know, anytime you're trying to take something away from Ohioans for no good reason and something as cherished as a, a constitutional right to a citizen initiative, just like our rights to a, a collective bargaining for our public employees, you know, that's going to get people's attention. And our you job is to help make sure that it's getting sufficient attention and that the facts are getting out there, the information is getting out there, and then we do everything we can to turn out the vote. And we did a really good job of it. And, and I'm just grateful for all the unions, uh, the union uh, activists, the members, the leaders, uh, the staff for all the work they put in to make sure that this power grab wouldn't go forward. 
There you go. Well, congratulations once again. I'm going to let you go back. I know you got more work to do, and you got to catch up on some sleep. So we'll talk to you at the beginning of next month. Okay, brother? Okay. Thank you very much. You got it. Tim Berger, president of the Ohio AFL-CIO. We're going to take a quick break. J.D. Thompson is the executive vice president of CWA Local 2001. They uh, serve the area of Virginia and West Virginia, and they're trying to get a contract with Frontier Communications. He'll talk about it next on the show. This is America's Workforce. More shows available at awfradio.com. It takes Lyuna to power North America with affordable energy. The men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, have the skills needed to build and maintain oil, natural gas, nuclear, solar, and wind projects that are shaping America's energy future. From new energy tech to retrofitted facilities, Lyuna members do it all. Find out what it takes to be powered by Lyuna at Lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Ironworkers. You can find more at ironworkers.org. There is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The The United United Steelworkers. The largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in In the the U.S., US, Canada, Canada, and and the the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are steel workers, standing strong and fighting for what's right. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Communication Workers of America. You can find more at cwa-union.org. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrens with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on at least five platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. And when you get an opportunity... Just sign up and receive our shows on a regular basis and give us a rating. We always appreciate those five-star ratings, so please keep them coming. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the United Labor Agency, and you can find more about them at ulagency.org. Let's go to a line number two, and joining us today is uh, J.D. Thompson. J.D. is Executive Vice President of CWA Local 2001, website cwa2001.org. They have about 580 members, primarily in Virginia, West Virginia, and about 500 of them work at Frontier Communications. And J.D.'s got a long history in telecom. J.D., welcome to the show. What is it, 36 years in the industry, CWA union member for most of that time, 30-plus years. What what made you decide to get involved in uh, telecom back then? Uh, well, I have a family history. Um, had an uncle, my dad, uh, an aunt, and a lot of friends who were in, in telco. And uh, I came, uh, had the opportunity, actually. I uh, graduated on a Saturday and was afforded the opportunity to go to work Monday. So uh, <laughs> right out of high school, I had a job. So that was uh, that was the beginning of the story. And uh, I can say... I'm I'm been fortunate because in those 36 years I haven't been unemployed a day in my life. So uh, been around a few different companies, but uh, but it's all been good. Yeah, yeah. A couple of companies here: AT and T, Verizon, Frontier. You've done it all: long distance operator, communications tech, operations manager, cable splicer. 
<laughs> you you got a lot on your resume here. Let's talk about what's going on with uh, Frontier Communications. And apparently there was a contract deadline this past weekend, which has been extended to August 19th. So uh, what's the story? What what what's what's going on with Frontier and your union? Yes, sir. Um, <clears throat> yeah, we did get the extension to the 19th. Um, they were um, making, according to the update we got, they were making some some small progress, but it's still a couple of the main sticking points are uh, job security and uh, benefits, both for active and retirees. Um, can, you, the, can you be specific on that? Yeah, yeah as, as best I can. The job security um, is is the big one. Um, I, I told somebody a couple of days ago, uh, you know, if, if you don't have a job, then none of the other stuff really matters. I mean, your Good benefits, point. your pay, you know, all that. So mm-hmm. um, the company has um, – Frontiers made it well known under our new CEO uh, – he, he's rather upfront and uh, and takes every chance he gets to tout the fact that he's trying to offshore uh, a lot of our work. Um, now, in in our local uh, with Frontier, we have um, we have a good number of people who work inside in call centers, and then we also have a good number uh, like myself who work outside. And we're both under attack when it comes to uh, contracting. I'm, uh, the inside uh, folks, um, the CEO, as I mentioned, he's talked about offshoring as much of that work as possible. And just this past year in other states that Frontier is in, they've uh, shut down a lot of call centers in states like Florida, Wisconsin, um, I think maybe Indiana. But um what they're doing, they're sending that work to places like Mexico, Colombia, Africa, Jamaica, India. I mean, they're just they're just opening up call centers everywhere. And unfortunately for the people in those other states, they didn't have any job protection language to, you know, to protect them from that. Um, West Virginia, which um, to West uh, CWA Local 2001 is a part of, and, and in that small part of Virginia, um, we have in our contract currently uh, job protection language, which prohibits the company from uh, involuntarily laying people off. Uh, most of our members are covered by that contract language. And, um, you know, to me, that is key and imperative that we keep that. Because I'll just be honest with you, had it, had it not been for that language, um, I'm not even sure we'd still have a call center here. Wow. Um, yeah, it's it's that serious, and the the members know that as well. I mean, you know, it's it's uh, pretty much it's a fight for your work life, um, mm-hmm. and uh, that that's the inside folks. Now, you know, talking about the outside world uh, that I'm a part of, a lot of that. Uh, job security. Of course, we have the no layoff clause, but when it comes down to the actual work, um, the company, of course, would like to be able to contract more of the work that uh, folks like myself do to do, um, to put up fiber, to splice it, to take care of the existing copper plant. Um, And, you know, that's, uh, in our opinion, that's work that uh, all of our members should be doing. Oh, sure. 
You know what uh, is significant in all this, too, is and what you're talking about is, is going on at other companies. We had a conversation with Frank Matthews. Frank is a regular here on the show. That was just two days ago, and they have a campaign going against uh, AT&T because the same thing you're talking about, closing down call centers. So uh, Frontier is not alone in that. I guess that's part of the national strategy here. But the other issue that really concerns me, there's a lot of money coming in from the federal government because of the Infrastructure and Jobs Act. And $65 billion, I recall, is designated to improve broadband. And the states that you represent, Virginia, especially West Virginia, there, there's a lot of work that needs to be done there. So what's the game plan here? I, I mean, I was reading earlier, okay, they're, they're been doing, I guess, subcontracting with a lot of this work, but I mean, it goes beyond that. you got to maintain those lines and all that. Where, where do we stand with all that right now, J.D.? Yeah, um, I mean, I can speak for for uh, CWA's part in that and, and Frontier. The the work that we are getting from the um, the broadband information or uh, infrastructure bill, um, Frontier has begun doing some of the the build out on that. Um, actually, I'm a beneficiary of that. I never thought I would get fiber, and uh, finally got it into my house, which. Uh, it's an amazing product. I'll just say that. And I, <laughs> I'm not saying that because I work for the company, but I, I went from a, uh, a one meg DSL connection to a one gig fiber connection. So you can imagine, you know, how happy that made my wife. <laughs> uh, but, uh, getting back to the, to your, to the point. Um, yeah. Um, you know, the, the, the fiber we ha- we also have, um, that's, Part of our job security language as well. We have a broadband uh, security uh, clause in our contract where any fiber work is to be done solely by uh, Frontier employees, CWA members. Uh, so that is a, uh, a key item as well. And I'll be honest, the, the, the members and employees, they're, they're really jazzed up about the fiber build that, that's taken place so far uh, because it's for a change, we're uh, bringing something to the the consumer and our customers that you know that they want and they need, and uh, it, it's a different world from copper because uh, uh, you know that's the world that I'm in right now. I'm a maintenance technician, so uh, I, I tell my customers, you know, I'm I'm out here with bubble gum and uh, duct tape trying to keep it together. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's, it's not a lot of money in copper anymore, and uh, but what we have, we have to uh, maintain. Uh, and uh, circling back to to the fiber, uh, that that's another thing that, uh, that at least that I'm concerned with. I mean, if you get a uh, smaller contracting company, or uh, I guess they could even be a larger one in that aspect, but. Uh, they go out and bid and get some of these monies for some of the smaller communities, and they go in and they'll they'll build the fiber out. But then when it comes time to uh, take care of it, uh, maintain it, they may not always be there. And right. um, you know, our our point is in in order to help the members, the customers, and Frontier, frankly. Uh, you know, we we think we're in the best position in West Virginia to uh, to do the install and the maintenance on that on that network. Oh well, you want skilled laborers, no doubt about it, and that's what you get with the CWA. 
So let's yes, get sir. back to uh, these contract talks here. You extended the deadline to uh, August 19th. Um, what's your gut telling you here? You think you'll be able to come up with something? I mean, there's a, the, the you know job security, uh, to your point, is number one. If you don't have a job, nothing else matters. I'm just wondering, how do you feel moving forward here? Obviously, the next week is going to be pretty crucial, right? Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely crucial. Um, quite honestly, uh, <laughs> I don't have a gut feeling on it right now. I'm kind of not sure how this is going to play out. Um, I know leading up to the uh, to the extension, um, you know, I had, I had a gut feeling that I th- it seemed that things were moving in the right direction, albeit kind of slow. And then 24 hours, it seemed to take a different tone and a different. Uh, different direction um, and that's uh, that's why I really don't have any like foresight on that I mean my my hope would be that uh, you know the company would back off of their regressive uh, proposals um, specifically uh, job security um, benefits which is you know as you were speaking I know that's an issue around the country as well with other co- companies but um, you know, with the benefits, it's always every contract. It's always uh, the cost shifting. You know, wanting to shift more cost onto the uh, for healthcare onto the employee and the retiree, and um, you know, not getting enough, in my opinion, most times to even offset that increase, like in a in a wage uh, a wage increase. But um, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much where we are i'm sorry i can't really answer that question for you very well but uh, well, I just... you did a good job you did i mean we're, it's all speculation at this uh, at this stage uh one more question here i mean there's not much time left uh with us or on the show today uh do you think there might be a strike vote coming up if you don't get your way well, um, we did have a strike vote uh, that uh, the, all the members uh, had the opportunity to send in uh, a ballot as to whether to strike. And I know uh, for uh, our uh, collective bargaining agreement, 142, which covers West Virginia and that part of Virginia, uh, it was an overwhelming uh, strike vote authorization by the membership. Now, uh, with that being said, that just gives the uh, CWA executive committee the um, the okay to initiate a strike if need be, you know, if in their eyes we need to. Um, I don't know that that'll happen. I mean, uh, my my gut feeling on that is if talks bog down and things get to um, an impasse, um, yeah, yeah, we're, we'll we'll be out um, because the memberships already said they're willing to fight, uh, they're willing to go out to secure a fair contract. And, uh, you know, as I said before, quite frankly, I think we all understand, you know, it, it's very important because we're fighting for our job lives. Yep. J.D., I guess we'll find out soon enough. J.D. Thompson joining us on our live line. He is the executive vice president of CWA Local 2000, which covers West Virginia and Virginia with the Frontier Communications. They have about 580 members, 500 of them with Frontier and the uh, contract has been extended to august 19 cwa2001.org is the website jd you hang in there stay in touch okay brother all right thank you i appreciate it 
All right, we're going to take a quick break. Tim Taylor is the UAW Local 833 president, and he's going to talk about a new contract with Kohler in Wisconsin. He'll be next right here on the show. This is America's Workforce. It takes Lyuna to keep America running. Over 70,000 public employees are part of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, delivering critical services such as health care and emergency response, as well as maintaining roads and sanitation systems. Even the National Postal Mail Handlers Union, representing over 47,000 U.S. postal workers, is affiliated with Lyuna. Find out what it takes for Lyuna to keep America running at Lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Steelworkers. You can find more at USW.org. From the Golden Gate Bridge to the St. Louis Gateway Arch, the Sears Tower, and just about every building, bridge, and structure in between, our cities and towns wouldn't be the same without iron workers. With over 3,000 contractors employing more than 130,000 highly trained iron workers and 20,000 apprentices, the Iron Workers Union stands ready and able to shape the future of our skylines. Learn more at ironworkers.org. Iron workers, the sky's the limit. America's workforce is brought to you in part by the United Auto Workers. Find more at uaw.org. America's workforce is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, where you can find more at teamster.org. Now, back to America's workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast, AWF Union Podcast. And remember this, if you like a show, share that show because the more shares we get, we can grow the show. And right now, after three years of podcasting, we're in the top 5% of all podcasts in the world. I often say we broadcast out of Cleveland, Ohio, but we podcast to the entire world. Let's go to uh, Sheboygan, Wisconsin right now. And joining us on our live line is Tim Taylor. Tim is the president of UAW Local 833, website uawlocal833.org. Again, he serves as president, and uh, he's going to talk about what happened at the Kohler Company. Tim started at the Kohler Company back in 1986, a long time ago. Tim, welcome to America's Workforce. How are we doing today in Wisconsin, my brother? Very well. Good, good, good. Talk to me about, uh, well, let's start. I, I know you guys were on strike for some time, but I guess you got a new contract. I want to speak to that. But uh, starting at Kohler and uh, getting involved in the UAW, take me back to uh, the late 80s there, how you got involved in Kohler and how you moved up the ladder. Let's start there. Well, I started off in the foundry. Good benefits, good wages, pouring iron at Kohler. Uh, back then, you didn't want to lose the job because of the uh, good wages and stuff. Uh, you know, interest in a union, my whole family was, uh, we were born and raised union. Dad always talked about unions at the supper table, so that's how it started. And uh, when I got into Kohler, I just started to be a steward and moved up the ladder and 2014, ran for president, and here I am. There you go. How many members in uh, 833 right now, Tim? Right now we are um, about 1,681. 
<laughs> about <laughs> yeah, right there at that 81 and uh, <laughs> we just did an orientation and that's how we we get that number so <laughs> i like that okay good so uh how's it been for working as president of the local i mean i know you had this uh, situation with kohler but other than that were there any bumps in the road under your presidency Oh, there was plenty before, right before I became president in 2010. That's when we hit that hard uh, recession, and a lot of people were laid off, and we came out of a real crappy uh, contract where they stripped us of a lot of things. And, uh, you know, I still remember the uh, Region 4 director asking if we could pull out of this and bring our members back together and they all went around the table and said no and when it got to me I said I believe we can and I ran for president in 14 started education people and 2015 is when we hit that five-week strike on Kohler Uh, you know you got to remember the wages were only $12 an hour back then because they could and uh, we gained a lot at that time, going through that strike, came out with a fairly good increase. And then in 2018, we opened up early, a couple, two years early, matter of fact, and uh, came out with a little more. And now in 2023, we gained even more. So it, it, it has not been an easy road going through. Uh, you know, when you get something taken away, it's very difficult to, to get it back and gain it back. But we've been oh, making yeah. gains all the way through. Yeah, I know the UAW, in fact, uh, they're bracing for a possible strike here with the big three, and I know you have new leadership there, and uh, they're, <laughs> he's, he's moving forward. He's, he's playing hardball, and rightly so. These companies are profitable. I saw some numbers on GM. They had one of their best years. Now, I'm sure Kohler, I see Kohler products all, all over the place. they got to be making a whole lot of money, right? Uh, they're making money. A really? lot of money. A lot you know, of money. You talk about Kohler and there a lot of people knows it for toilets and faucets, but you got to look at the generators that they are putting out and very busy in the generator department. So a lot of new jobs being introduced into that division. So what happened here with the with the latest contract dispute? Can you uh, can you address that and, and how you were able to navigate your way out of that? Well, this time was a lot easier. Two, 2015 was very difficult. Uh, uh, you know, they were they didn't want to give back. Wages had to go up. But right now we need people to come to work and apply at Kohler. And with the shortage of workers and stuff to be the employer of choice, uh, we tried to open early to try to solve a lot of issues because we knew it wouldn't be easy. Uh but I got to say, they came to the bargaining table with an open mind, and we worked through it, and we got considerable amount of raises for the ones that were on the lower levels. Uh, there was a tier system in there. A lot of that's going away. Uh, generators the toughest because the biggest gaps in there, but we made a huge gain on a lot of the wages for the new people coming into Kohler and stuff, and we made good uh, gains on on the pensions, and uh, I got to say, uh, everybody kept level heads this time and came out very well. 
What about uh, job growth? You mentioned the generation part, generators that Kohler makes. Was that addressed in these negotiations as far as growing your membership? It, it was. It was. I mean, right now there's many jobs open at Kohler, and by the wages going up, uh, you know, anywhere from $2.90 to $7 an hour, and, you know, uh, hopefully that brings people into these open jobs. Uh, we... We negotiated a hell of a deal for the skilled trades, um, you know, and they're all happy, and I can see skilled trades people uh, coming to Kohler now. So I understand that your members ratified the new agreement. This was on uh, July 23rd, and yeah. um, and it's going to run all the way through July 30th of 2028. That That's some good job security there, no doubt about that. You know, you, you, you had an interesting history here, Tim, and I wonder if you could talk about the pandemic because, and I've said this on the show, I'm sure you heard it many, many times, that the pandemic has changed everything. The way we work, the way we think, and there's a lot of people that were in frontline jobs. Remember when they were all called essential workers? Oh, you gotta you gotta show up for work. I know the building trades were were doing what they had to do because you know we need we need to keep our highways going. You had the safety forces and all that, but uh, and then obviously you had dangerous conditions because of the coronavirus and all that. Can you uh, can you tell us how how you uh, work through that time period? Very difficult. You know, we we had one of the companies that was forcing vaccination on us. Uh, and uh, there was many people that didn't want to do that. It was hard uh, keeping the peace between the people, uh, the office people staying at home and working at home. But they want uh, all the workers to come onto the floor. Their idea was we're going to enforce these faction, vaccinations on them. Uh, whatever your beliefs were, uh, and a lot of money to lawyers and stuff fighting back and forth. Unfortunately, we kind of lost that, and the vaccinations got pushed through. Uh, I hope we never hit another one again because very tough in the workforce, and not just at Kohler, all the way through of uh, dealing with something like this and, uh, you know, just keeping everybody safe, uh, whatever their beliefs were. Uh, I had to deal with uh, it all, you know, some who don't agree with it and some who was scared as hell of it. And, you know, it was a difficult time to work through to keep uh, people safe and their heads in the game. Yeah. Uh, what about the company and management at Kohler? Because this is a man, this is a storied company. I mean, they've been around for 150 years. How did they handle all that? Well, a lot of them worked from home. <laughs> Uh, they stayed in their offices. <laughs> they, <laughs> yeah. they, uh, the ones that were out on the floor dealt with it as good as they can could because yeah. uh, the pressure was on uh, management, the union hall here, and, uh, you know, so many things going on with that. Uh, every time you turn around, there was something new happening or uh, or there was an outbreak. Supposedly one of the divisions where half the shift is shut down or the whole shift is shut down for a couple of weeks. So I get it. You have to keep product going out that door. Uh, I hope it never happens again. And, you know, very tough for businesses to run, very tough for people to deal with. 
Oh, yeah, it was a learning experience, no doubt, no doubt. All right, Tim, uh, anything else here? I have one more question for you. Maybe you can add to that. You're at uh, 1,681 members at Local 833, the UAW. We, we talked about the, um, the generation unit there. Where would you like to see that number? I mean, you've been president for, what, nine years now. I'm just wondering. I'm sure you'd like to see that maybe get to 2,000. I don't know if it's possible. What, what's, what, what do you think? I think it's possible. I would like to see them numbers hit at least 2,000 again. Um, uh, and they could possibly be because of the open jobs on the floor. Uh, you know, so I think that uh, that number's not out of sight. It's, we like I said, we up the wages, hopefully drawing in workers to fill the open jobs. Um, we got many skilled trains jobs open, and I think this will attract them. We've got, you know, with the 401k contributions and the pensions, and uh, I think we did a good job negotiating this contract. And, uh, you know, one thing I want to point out is uh, different from this contract to a lot of other ones, uh, Brandon Campbell, uh, the Region 4 director, and our international uh, rep, Joe, and all the way up through Detroit, that they gave me the resources in skilled trades and other areas that cost it out and kind of get on the guideline that I wanted to be on. And without all these guys, uh, you know, with the Region 4 and up helping, uh, we might not have uh, got where we are today. I mean, I, I learned quite a bit from this, and you always keep learning. But, uh, you know, to make a qu- better quality of life for people is doing exactly what we did. And uh, the unions uh, got to realize the fight is here now. You know, will we ever gain everything back that we lost back in 2010? Most likely not. But we sure affected everybody in the workforce at Kohler and, uh, you know, gave them, I, I believe every family benefited by this contract and will have a better quality of life through it. And that's what we want. That's exactly what we want. Well, it takes a team, and obviously you had a good team behind you, and especially with uh, Region 4, the UAW, and all the national leadership, uaw.org. Website for Local 833, UAWLocal833.org. Tim, thank you for your time, your dedication, and let's keep in touch on this. If, if there's ever an issue or something that comes up that needs to be addressed, I mean, this show is your show too, brother. You Just remember that, okay? I I will do. I appreciate it very much. And that'll be it for another edition of America's Workforce. Coming up tomorrow, the latest from the food and commercial workers and union blogger and union activist Andrew Strom. Until then, all of you have a safe and wonderful day. That concludes another episode of the America's Workforce radio podcast. Thanks for listening. And be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. America's Workforce is a production of Labor Tools and BMA Media Group. Find out more information online at labortools.com.